Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Dermal Sciences Behind the Scene Live Podcast. In today's podcast, we have five dermal clinicians who will discuss the danger of lasers in the aesthetic sector. My name is Shelly, and I'm, I will be your host. And please welcome our speakers today, Angelique, Ruwaida, Tilly, and Paris. Thank you so much, guys, for being here today. Firstly, we have Angelique, who is going to discuss the importance of a safe work environment as well as the inevitable potential for hazard in every work environment. Go for it, Angelique. Thank you, Shelley. As you mentioned, in every work environment, there are hazards. So meaning that there is a potential for a danger or a risk. In order to create a safe work environment in your dermal clinic, it is vital that you always carry a duty of care to minimize hazards. So this can be achieved by following all the correct procedures and protocols as per guidelines in every business and making sure to set that the setup or arrangement of your work environment is practical and hygienic. Before we begin to touch on some of the adverse effects using the 755 nanometer Elite Alexandrite laser, I would like to make you aware of the categories of hazards that can occur in your dermal clinic. So this includes ocular hazards, skin hazards, electrical hazards, plume inhalation hazards, slips, falls, trips, cuts, chemical and gas hazards, and contraindication hazards, which will be touched on further um, in the discussion of injuries. Wow, what a potential hazard we have. So how do our businesses approach reducing this risk, Angelique? Through a protocol within the workplace known as the hierarchy of control. So that helps reduce hazards by a step-by-step approach, which helps by eliminating or reducing risks. Its level system helps to rank risk controls from the highest level of protection and reliability to the lowest and least reliable protection. The first level is eliminate hazards and risks. This level is the most effective control measure because the hazard or the risk is completely being removed. The second level is reduce the risk. This can be done in one of three ways. Isolation, such as isolating people from the risk. Substitution, meaning substituting the risk with a lesser risk. Um, and engineering, which is reducing the risks through incorporating engineering changes and or changes to systems of work. The third level is administrative controls, which includes things such as minimizing the exposure of people to the hazard. One example could be via warning signs. This is a less reliable control method. And lastly is the fourth level, which is PPE, personal protective equipment, such as gloves, laser protective glasses, etc., which is the lowest level of protection within the hierarchy of control. That is very interesting to know. So can you just tell me who is responsible for creating the safe environment at workplace? That's a really good question, Shelley. Put simply, everyone that works for the company is responsible. But depending on the amount of people within the workplace, there should be competent persons which are delegated the role of working to create a hazard-free environment, such as occupational hygienists, which work under occupational health and safety. They control risk management and have a sound understanding of the legislation and standards. They also help with creating risk assessments, standard operating procedures, and risk management plans and protocols. This, along with management and our laser safety officer, help workers to get the correct training and be able to provide a safe and effective treatment for all clientele. Now, when performing a safe treatment, you should make sure you have had a thorough consultation and ensure to take every safety precaution you've learned in training, including doing a trial test patch. So when treating pigmentation with a, just say, 
755 nanometer MPX Alexander uh, laser. What are some of the hazards associated? associated? Um, so it's a great device for um, treating pigmented lesions. So some of the adverse effects include um, erythema, uh, blistering, burns, so from high fluences or short pulses, as well as it can be caused by incorrect cooling, scarring, um, check client's heat response and cool as required, otherwise um, frostbite, overcooling or thermal injuries can occur. Swelling, itchiness, if the settings are too high, it can result in hypo or hyperpigmentation. Uh, also be careful with treating within one centimetre of a tattoo or cosmetic tattoo and areas where a tattoo has been previously removed. Um, it can reduce hair in a localised treatment area. Hormonal pigmentation such as melasma and chlorasma can occur. When treating light Asian skin types, you can only treat sun and age spots with a stencil. When treating a Fitzpatrick skin type 1, 2 or 3, always check for heritage background and identify if the client has the ability to tan more easily due to this heritage background. And then you can adjust your systems appropriately. Diabetes type 1 and 2, um, you should also be cautious of the wound healing process as it may be a bit slower. That's Thanks, Shelley. No problem. Thank you so much, Angelique. And that's very interesting to know. Now we have Rueda. So now passing on to Rueda, who is going to discuss some potential injuries and control methods. So please, Rueda, take your time. Thank you, Shelley. So as we all know, laser hair removal is now one of the most popular and most convenient hair removal procedures on the market. However, if not done correctly by a professional, it could lead to some serious injuries, injuries such injuries as Angelique has mentioned. So hair colour and the Fitzpatrick skin type of the clientele receiving treatments play a big role with common injuries. The laser light is typically searching for a hair pigment rather than skin pigment. In saying this, laser hair removal works best with darker hair pigment and lighter skin type. Darker skin types do have a disadvantage with laser hair removal. In saying this, they do take longer to see results. So some risks that can occur with dark skin types such as type 5 and 6 can be hyperpigmentation in the form of dark spots. Well done. Are you able to tell us a little bit more about how to overcome these uh, injuries? Sure, no problem. So laser hair removal can be achieved without any injuries or harm to the skin if you follow safety steps correctly. It is important that you choose a doctor who specialises in dermatology or cosmetic surgery also someone who has experience with laser hair removal for all skin types. Before you decide to book an appointment in a laser, sorry, before you decide to book in a laser appointment, organize a consultation with your doctor to see if laser hair removal is appropriate for yourself. They will most likely check the following. So they'll check, they'll go over your medical history. This includes if you were taking any medication in the past. They'll check if you have any skin disorders in the past and your past hair removal procedures. They will also discuss all the risks that may occur. They will discuss pros and cons, and they will discuss what you can achieve from hair removal. So some things that you can you should be doing before, your, before laser hair removal is staying out of the sun, so followed by applying SPF daily, lightening up your skin. So this means avoiding any creams that may darken your skin tone, I actually have a story for this. So I used to wear fake tan a lot. And for my first laser treatment, I had fake tan left on my face and neck. And the lady didn't tell me anything about, you know, having fake tan. 
and doing laser, how we can, I can stuff up the treatment. So I actually had burns and scars all over my face. Thank God it cleared up, but it was pretty bad. So it's really important to avoid wearing fake tan or having any fake tan on your skin before going into a laser treatment. Um, you also want to avoid any other hair removal methods such as waxing, plucking and electrolysis. These methods of hair removal can disturb the hair follicles and you should be avoiding it for at least four weeks prior to treatment. Um, avoid any blood thinning medications and also avoid shaving treatment. Sorry, shave your tr shave treatment area one day prior to treatment day. You want to avoid shaving on the day because your skin can flare up when you get laser. Um, yeah, so this can avoid getting any skin damage and burns from the hair. Wow, okay. That's really good information when you mention about your uh, very own experience with the fake tan because it can be avoided uh, if the therapist, you know, if your therapist really went, go through, go thorough consultation by asking you if you have fake tan or not since it was your first treatment, wasn't it? Exactly. Like I should have been told not yeah. to have fake tan. I should have rescheduled my appointment. So partially it wasn't my fault. It was more the therapist's fault, but yeah. oh well. That's okay. Thank you so much for that, Raida. Again, duty of care is everyone's responsibility. So next we have Tilly, who is going to discuss what it takes to achieve a laser-safe environment. Go ahead, Tilly. Right, Shelley. So thank you again for having me here. I'm going to jump straight into it by explaining that clinical lasers can be very dangerous and cause serious injuries, as previously explained by Raida. So if the laser is misused, moved incorrectly, or even placed incorrectly in a certain room, any of such can occur. Factors such as spatial, electrical, environmental, transportation, and storage are all valid factors that affect the overall safety of the environment in which the laser is stored and being used for treatments. I'm going to talk a little bit about the safety culture, which refers to the attitudes, beliefs, and values of an organization and the people who can work there and how that affects the safety within the workplace. And lastly, I will also talk to you a little bit about the hierarchy of control, which Angelique touched on briefly at the start. As we discuss creating laser, a laser safe environment, we must take under consideration that the diameters of the Alexandra laser is 46 inches high, 26 inches wide and weighs 135 kilograms. It's important to take this under consideration when putting the zoom together the room together, sorry, to consider the size of the room and ensure it's safe, meaning enough room for the practitioner to perform treatments. There are also electrical requirements prior to installation of the workstation. Things to remember, including the power receptacles being grounded and within 10 feet of the laser, the workstation should also be on a separate power line with any other equipment. The environmental requirements include keeping the air free of any flammable or corrosive substances, including salts and acids, as they may damage wiring, keeping dust and hair particles to a minimum, ensuring the humidity level in a non-condensing room is at 20% to 80%, keeping the room temperature between 10 and 27 degrees, and lastly, making sure the laser isn't pressed up against a wall as there needs to be room for a proper airflow. 
Wow, those sounds like all very valuable. So we have two other major factors that need to be considered when creating a laser-safe environment, which are reflection and flammability. Flammability is a hazard when you're using high-powered lasers, meaning that potential hazardous items need to be far from the target site. These items may include dry or non-woven fabrics, solutions with alcohol, rubber and plastic. Heat can lead to a serious chemical burn if the laser interacts with a wet solution. Therefore, the skin must be free of any liquids. As per guidelines of each local council, a water basin has to be available for use in the room. But any slips, spills or liquid around the sink must be quickly cleaned and dried before use of the laser. If a, clinic, if a client is receiving treatment on their face, the area must be completely free of cosmetic solutions or residue. Some of these left on the skin can be alcohol-based and they could be flammable when in contact with the laser. Reflections are also a major hazard within the workplace as if the laser comes in contact with a reflective... Reflections are also a major hazard within the workplace as if the laser comes in contact with a reflective surface, the path of the beam extends from aperture, meaning its target area changes. This could be very dangerous as if the laser points directly in somebody's eye or sensitive area of the skin, it could cause serious damage. Therefore, the laser must at all times be kept free of any obstructive or reflective material. So now that we have discussed creating a laser safe environment, I'm going to discuss safety culture and touch on hierarchy of control. Safety culture, as I briefly explained before, mainly refers to how a workplace implements its health and safety management systems. For a safety culture to be effective, individuals and organisations actually have to care about and understand the risks of health and safety hazards in the workplace. It should be a workplace goal to ensure nobody gets injured. One of the ways we could measure safety culture in our organisations is by a safety climate survey in which all of the clinicians are asked to fill out a survey with very select questions relatable, related to the circumstances in which they are put in each day. This is how they tackle safety precautions in the workplace and whether or not they're going about them in a correct manner. Once the feedback is assessed, any concerns of correct safety precautions can be faced head on and eliminated. Lastly, I'm going to talk a bit more about hierarchy of control. As touched on before, the protocol called a hierarchy of control is a step-by-step -step process to ultimately eliminate hazards in a workplace. I'm going to go through and explain each step of the possible hazards in a laser clinic. Okay, so step one being elimination, to physically remove the hazard. So let's say the hazard in our laser clinic was all the power boards were connected together. So the laser itself was not connecting on its own power source. Step one would be to remove this hazard by unplugging the laser from the power source. Step two is reduce the risk. So in this case, we could use substitution. So essentially replacing the hazard. So in this case, we would replace the power board so the laser is attached to its own source of power, not sharing with any other equipment in the room. Administrative control is the third step. We could help to spread awareness and knowledge of the hazard by putting up signs or writing a simple note to explain that the laser needs to have its own cord. And the last level relates to PPE of all staff members. It's important to ensure all the staff are adhering to set rules and regulations on what 
needs to be worn in a room with laser radiation. And that's how you could carry out the hierarchy of control method in a laser setting. I hope you enjoyed hearing from me today. Thank you so much for having me, Shelley. Thanks for that, Tilly. That was super, 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 super great. And finally, last but not least, we have Paris. Go ahead, Paris, carry on. Thanks, Shelley. Today, I'm going to talk to you about delivery and requirements for the laser therapy. So basically, the operator should assess the suitability of the laser treatment and inform the client about the treatment at the time of the initial visit. Some factors like patient's age, skin type, current medications, family history, present some exposure and patient's expectation of the treatment must be taken into consideration. After determining, uh, determining suitability, the patient must be informed of the expected outcomes of the treatment and the potential side effects as a result of the laser treatment. The most important aspect of any laser treatment is skin safety. Melanin of the skin highly absorbs the wavelength of the light. If there is excessive absorption of light in the skin, unpredictable responses like blisters, burns, hypo or hyperpigmentation may occur. It's important to assess, assess the Fitzpatrick skin type and perform patch tests before therapy to determine the correct use of energy level. Test patches should be carried out by exposing a small section of the least cosmetically significant area to the laser uh, radiation and to evaluate the lowest power that will produce the appropriate outcome, several different energy deliveries can be used. Sufficient time must be allowed for the test patch before performing the treatment. Note that the treatment of pigmented lesions with elite NPX laser is contraindicated for type 4 to 6 skin patients. The site of the treatment should also be assessed to ensure that there are no cancerous or other potentially harmful, harmful lesions. The person who is operating the laser machine needs to take training on many aspects of laser operation, like how to safely use and perform laser, how, to, how the laser interacts with the tissue, potential hazards, associated with laser, laser operating procedures, and so on, and has to have hands-on experience. However, the training is not only limited to this. The training is available either by the user training um, provided by the machine manufacturer or performed as a part of a separate training program by the manufacturer. That sounds good. That sounds great, Paris. Thank you so much. And thank you for everybody. Thank you, Angelique. Thank you, Rueda. Thank you, Tilly. And thank you, Paris, again. So in summary, before we close our podcast tonight, in summary, laser treatment has gained popularity for the past 25 years. And I must say that it has been doing so many great things in medical and allied health cosmetic procedure from hair removal, treating aging, and other skin conditions, including pigmentations. A wide range of medical lasers are available, each emitting different wavelengths that has variety effect on the skin. A specific material on the skin is selectively attracted to each laser wavelength. Therefore, based on what is attracted to, a specific laser wavelength will target that particular condition on the skin. 
pigment skin color called melanin um, is attracted to certain wavelengths. Others attracted to hemoglobin or blood and some are attracted to the water in the skin. A different depth can also penetrate per laser wavelength. So melanin attracted laser are used to erase or decrease unwanted discoloration such as pigmentation, freckles, and sunspot. And since melanin is found in hair, it also can be used in permanent hair reduction. However, powerful lasers also can come with great dangers in the wrong hands as we talked earlier. Would you like to agree with that, everybody? So in cosmetic procedure, the, these dangers associated with the use of laser and cases has been recorded where clients have sustained an injury using laser or IPL following a cosmetic procedure. Burns, blistering, scarring, keloids, increased or reduced skin pigmentations, and eye injury has been reported as a result of the injuries. All kind of these injuries actually can be avoided with a simple principle of lace of safety culture. With Australians has a standard ISNZS4173201A for safe use of laser and intense light sources in healthcare, although not regulatory, through their broad adoption have taken on the influence of regulations. Ironically, in the cosmetic industry, sadly, there are still no uniform nationwide in regards law and regulations to outlight laser use. Only in Tasmania, Queensland and Western Australia, the use of laser or cosmetic purpose is currently being regulated and monitored. At present, the use of IPL for cosmetic purpose is restricted only in Tasmania. And regardless of the setting of practice, accountable adherence to comply for all with standard and policies is expected. In particular, diligence is needed to ensure that policies and safety procedures are enforced. Sufficient equipment is used for the intended purpose. The equipment used meets safety and performance criteria such as standard and regulations. Risk assessment has been carried out. Known hazard are properly regulated and the person who, who conduct the procedure have received adequate knowledge and minimum requirement training has been passed. And before we finish our podcast today, thank you, thank you to our speaker of the day, Angelique Ruida and Tilly and Paris. And this is your host, Shelly. Thank you so much for listening.